Random House, a place for podcasts. Now fade us out. Welcome. This is the Rhyme Book, episode thirteen. We've got Stellar Young on today. Great uh, indie rock group from upstate New York. Tries to pull as many genres as they can into their music, and we love it. You know that's a prerequisite to bring you great music that you may or may not have heard before. But we also love to talk to groups that are very aware of their process and how they manage their time and energy to achieve their goals. These guys are on it. They're on spreadsheets. They know what incentives they need, what time they need to get things done. Very business-oriented approach to making music. And they called in for our final session at Converse Rubber Tracks in Brooklyn. Thanks so much to the studio there for helping us get our start. For now, here's a whole new set of lost ideas, revenue streams, and what's next with Stellar Young. You know, um, a lot of us have had music backgrounds for a long time. I grew up in a family that my mom was always in musical theater, and uh, we had friends that were in, like, orchestras, and uh, I learned, like, the first instrument I ever learned was violin. Um, And then I moved to New York when I was in seventh grade. Uh, Kind of a complication, you know, my father was in, like, a car accident, you know, relocating up to New York. And uh, one of the first people I met was Eric. Actually, we were on the soccer team together. And, uh, you know, I didn't have any, like, music at home because we were all, like, kind of in a new place. And uh, I remember, you know, my parents would give me lunch money and I would actually, like, take the lunch money, uh, pack my own, like, lunch secretly, and save it up to buy a guitar. And uh, I would just kind of lock myself in my room and make up songs, and they were terrible songs, you know, but uh, I am doing it. Um, and it was very kind of uh, an escape, you know. It was kind of like a nice catharsis for that situation. And, uh, you know, I don't remember when exactly it happened, but Eric and I would play music in, in, uh, in our former drummer's basement, his mom's house. And, you know, we eventually, like, saved up to get, like, distorted, you know, like, big amps and distortion pedals, and we made all kinds of noise in that basement. It just kind of worked on it and worked on it. And then, uh, you know, it's, I think, I guess, like, you're, to go back to the question of, like, you know, uh, learning from the failures, I mean, yeah, it's like we kind of didn't have any pressure to succeed, we were doing it purely out of the enjoyment to make music and uh, listening, you know, to some of those recordings from back that day. I mean, it, like, wasn't, in my opinion, any kind of good at all, but it was a ton of fun. And then I think, you know, that's, that's always where it starts from. I think it has to start from some kind of uh, passion, some kind of enjoyment. And then, uh, and then it just evolves, you know, like... Uh, after high school, we all kind of went separate ways for a bit, um, but I still kept in touch with Eric, and he would, you know, invite me over to his college, and we would 
go and play all these shows in Oneonta, and eventually I ended up going to school in Oneonta. We kept playing music together then, um, and it kind of became more of an acoustic project for a while, which allowed us to really kind of focus on just, uh, you know, more like intimate atmospheres and just kind of songwriting at a very, like, rudimentary level. And, uh, and, you know, eventually when we graduated on the answer, we wanted to keep doing this music thing. You know, we wanted to keep working on it. So we moved to Albany and, uh, in Albany, you know, uh, where Kyle and Kurt, or less for Kyle, uh, going to school. So, you know, we added him into the group as the guitarist. Uh, and then we kind of made our own acoustic tour where we, you know, went around playing open mics just to just to play anything, anywhere, you know. And it, um, eventually we met Dave, who uh, was kind of in his own situation at the time and just wanted to make music as well. And uh, I don't know, I just, I guess we just never really gave up on it and we just kept um, working on our craft and working on our craft. And, you know, Dave was uh, really like a game changer because he had such he already had so many years doing production um he had like built the videos and it worked with the engineers at Woodstock you know at Applehead that we'd recorded our two albums at um and he'd done like producing on the Weird Science albums so he he kind of gave us that gift of looking at all of our songs and then recording them with a fine tooth comb you know really like paying a you know, attention to all the details and really recording everything the right way. And I, I really, I think that, that was like a big kind of turning point because then we could like listen to the recordings in the way that we had kind of heard songs growing up. And I think it really uh, helped us evolve our songwriting to like a, another level. And then, oh, and then um, obviously, <laughs> sorry, I'm sitting here uh, for the past year. He, well, I'm sorry, sure. Kurt, he was a former drummer. He really wanted to focus on school. So, you know, he's still like our best friend. We still hang out with him. But he's, uh, you know, he's, he's working on his engineering degree. And about a year ago, you know, from the music scene, we had heard of Tim Brosnan, who, like, has played in a billion bands and is about as tight rhythmically as I, I've heard live come. And we asked him, you know, to, to kind of fill in at first. And then we just grew so smitten with his drum skills. Uh, we were like, hey, you know, you want to do this, you know, full time? And he was like, yeah, you know, he's been a, a great addition to the band as well. If you uh, swapped out Kurt or had to and brought in a new drummer, um, just from what I've seen, he brought a lot of the hip hop influence to the group, you know, with, with you guys not wanting to or wanting to hit as many genres as as you as you can, uh, does that lessen the hip-hop influence at all? Or is it still there in what you guys are listening to and, and playing around with? Hey, this is Eric. Um, it's still very much there. Um, I mean, you know, Dave has been in that world for a long time with his working uh, with the Weird Science Records, and we're all kind of, <clears throat> fans of a lot of different styles of music, you know, um, and we actually like want to collaborate sometimes, you know, with some hip hop artists. And I don't want to give away too much, but 
uh, <clears throat> for the newer stuff that we're working on too, you know, like it's very much there and, uh, we're still kind of, um, all over the map genre wise, but we're, we're starting to get a little bit more focused as far as like, uh, um, I guess like a EP based thought process would go where the tracks aren't as, uh, sporadic, uh, genre wise. They're a little bit more focused. Just to add a bit to that, I think also we all have a hip hop, like an interest in hip hop music is like some of our musical influences individually, I would say. Like we, I think we've all listened to hip hop growing up. So, um, you know, of course, it, it kind of trickles into the music. Whether I don't know whether we're playing rock or or whatever. Yeah, you can you can hear that influence. I think the one thing that I saw Eric say that you guys won't touch is uh, contemporary country. Outside of that, it's kind of like free game. I've had the same aversion for a long time, but some of the more modern stuff is mixing nicely with like the indie scene and reaching back into their historical roots and just wondering if um, any of that piques your interest or if there are any avenues you haven't tried to go down genre-wise um, that you're seeing open up now. Yeah, this is Dave. I hear what you're saying about the country. influence. I, I know what you mean. I, like, I never really thought about it, but now I can kind of, I can kind of like hear the response. Like, there's, um, uh, speak now. You know, there's just the youth and that, you know, there's kind of vibe and the stakes. There's kind of like a, you know, it's, it's almost, it's not, yeah, no sex. It's almost, maybe, I would almost say maybe a little bit more towards like a, like a little bit of an Americana mm-hmm. vibe. Right. Than maybe country vibe. I do, I do, I do hear that. Now, I, I think, I don't think really, you know, which I kind of like that Americana, but one band that comes to mind, they're not really, I wouldn't really, I don't know if I'd say Americana, but um, they do have that vibe. Um, there was an EBR band, like, I don't know, like 10 years ago, The Snake Across the Crown. And yeah. um, I really like them. And when, when, when a couple of those songs came around, um, you know, maybe little stacks as well, like um, off off of vessels. I, I kind of like I, I heard maybe like oh maybe I could do this in like that direction, mm-hmm. you know. So that's kind of like we're like we're like a degree or so like from a country and a couple songs, you know, that yeah. slower stuff. But um, on a side note, I do do sound for a country band live. Nice. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I am the sound guy for a country band. Left, and I'm not really in that country, but I do like some America, so <laughs> I think it's a big deal. Away, could seep in. That's cool. But I, I think I think maybe you'll hear some more of that kind of vibe on some stuff. You know, nice. Um, yeah, when we, when we start to slow it down and get a little more acoustic and stuff, I kind of really like that sort of America thing. I worked in Valentine's uh, venue, venue up here in Bubbly for a long time, and uh, a few times a month. Actually, for a while, every week we had an Americana night, and then it then it kind of turned like once a month for like months. And, and uh, we had some really great bands there. Yeah, I guess any genre is just going to seep in um, piece by piece and just meld together with whatever sound you guys end up with. In terms of process, I'm kind of wondering because, you know, it sounded like after you recorded Madison, you had some things left over that you reworked that ended up on everything at once. And then you started Clean Slate with um, with Vessels. Is that 
did you end up in the same spot, clean slate after vessels, or um, you know, did you did you have a couple of things at least a couple of yeah. to work with? Pretty much, I think we did. Right, pretty much we did after vessels. I think it was like pretty much clean slate after vessels. Yeah, that was yeah. pretty much all our like. You know, I mean, there's always there's always like fragments of them laying around forever. I can think of mm-hmm. right laying around. Even before any of that, you know what I mean? Like, but they're still kicking around. Maybe one day we'll hit it the right way and we'll put it together, something together the right way. But, um, yeah, pretty much, yeah, everything after that, the stuff we're working on now is pretty much, yes, clean slate. Yeah. I think that was done somewhat intentionally as well. I remember one of the things we, we actually kind of wanted to challenge ourselves and actually write a full album together, which we hadn't done because, as you said, every song had kind of been written kind of independently and brought together and kind of, uh, we were, we were trying to seek like an almost like a writing cohesion, uh, that we hadn't really had before that. And so there, there aren't any, so it's just sort of little ideas that were lying around. There wasn't anything in the process of coming up with the previous albums that completely fell through or you had to scrap or didn't fit your project or whatever. You know, so there, there are times where you like kind of like like a song or a, a part, but um, we're all kind of open to you know letting go when it's not working. Mm-hmm. And there has been like we tried to rework a, a really old song for an album once, and it, it just didn't work. And there's, there's another song that like kind of didn't really fit the vibe of the album, so that one kind of fell to the wayside. And I mean. They're kind of just like the B sides now, and um, it, it's 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 not like um, a, a negative thing, and and we're not like oh man, what a bummer we didn't get that song on there. We're like man, thank thank God that song didn't get on there because it would have just been not not a good, not as good of a mix if it was in there. Um, but yeah, right now we're at it's a completely different animal than you ever been working on before because we just always constantly want to challenge ourselves and and, and grow in different ways. Um, so we kind of just been recently setting off into um, kind of setting like restrictions and rules for songwriting. Uh, and we want to kind of do this uh, three EP series, one being kind of like electronic future based, another one being more like the classic stellar young, you know, rock and vibe, the present day stuff. And then we want to finish it up with like a past kind of the acoustic ballady, like more raw sounding um, instruments um, for like the third album. And so like the setting, you know, for the electronic one, we can only use like a certain program. You can only write in, in, in the computer, you know, like you're not allowed to kind of limitations kind of just like makes the album a little bit more cohesive and, and, and puts us up like into really uncomfortable situations that we're not used to. Right. And we'll come up with things that they would have otherwise never even thought of instead of just going to like what feels natural first, kind of like really just, you just, you got to keep like pounding away at it. That's, that's a good way to put it. Just throw you in like a unnatural place and be like, here, right? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like it's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. But, um, the, uh, a lot of people, you know, when you say something like that, you're like, hey, you know, you know, we we, we set some rules for ourselves. I, I could see a lot of people right away being like, hey, you know what I mean? Like, you know, music is supposed to have rules. But I, I kind of look at it a different way. I'm like, you know, like, with all the technology today, 
um, you know, if, if you're really using it, then it's almost like there's too much you can do. You know, it's yeah. like, so what do you do when you start to write a song? And you're like, I can do, I can make any sound I want, or like what? I mean, as long as you have the skills to do so, like I, I can make any sound I want, record it anything any way I want, and it's just so vastly unlimited that you could never finish anything. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like you would never get anything done. You'd be lost the whole entire time you're trying to write anything. So I actually think like setting some some rules that make sense, you know, um, you know, is actually a really good thing, you know, like like kind of put yourself in a corner on purpose, you know? You know, I mean a lot of that songs people people write, like a lot of a lot of songs, you know uh, most major artists, whatever, like the best stuff they ever wrote was, you know, a long time ago when they were desperate in a bad situation, right? You hear that story all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, hey, put yourself in put yourself in, you know, some chains, you know, like you know you pick and choose. I mean we took some off. Like I'll give you a couple of examples. Like one example would be like, you know, with the new digital stuff. We're trying to do it all like Eric said, right, in the computer and then in a specific program. We've been using I've been using Ableton Live nice. uh, quite a bit. So we're trying to stick within that. You know, we're sort of like, hey, instead of grabbing the guitar first, let's grab the keyboard first. All right, let's explore some sounds, you know, you know, whatever. You've got a musical mind, you're going to come up with a keyboard part, or whatever. You know what I mean? It's kind of sound idea or whatever. You know, the thing you wasn't a guitar, but it just, just sound different. But, um, and in other ways, we took chains off. So that's like one way we, like, we stick ourselves. In other ways, we took chains off because we were always like, you know, um, before we were writing as a band, we're sitting down in the band practice spot, every set their instruments, we're, you know, we're not worried about how we're going to do anything live because we're doing it live. You know, we're just doing it right there in the practice spot. But working the computer, we're getting really experimental with effects and, Sounds and stuff, and like, hey, don't worry about any of that. Forget it. Don't even worry about it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we're not gonna maybe, you know, we'll see if we play some of the stuff live or not. But, um, but uh, I wanted that to be a chain that came off. So it was really drastic, like, change, you know, change and um, how we do things. It's really weird. I like it. <laughs> yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And just from the outside, kind of reading about your guys' process, and I think. You mentioned um, keeping Google Docs open to track things at one point and all of that. It just seems like your approach is extremely economical and you don't, you know, if you have things left over, you'll use them for another project. Or like you said, you, you know what incentives, what kind of like carrots and sticks you guys need in order to get things done along the timeline that you need in order to achieve your goals, right? Yeah, I'd say we're, we're very like business. Uh, driven as far as um like our time management goes um we really try to you know, we'll, we'll we'll play at least once a week but uh the other time a week we meet up we'll just be like sitting with computers you know with the google doc open and just like you know getting all these emails and contacts of people to to reach out to whether it's for press or for booking or for whatever radio and, and, and just like sending countless emails out instead of just copy and pasting them, like really doing the, the light work. And a lot of those kind of behind the scenes things, you know, people don't really see and it, you don't want to show too much behind the curtains, but like, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, uh, you know, when you search the hashtag writing SY on Instagram and you guys are sitting at your computers working on Ableton and whatnot, then it's, you know, it's that sort of situation that the fans are seeing, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, it, it's not, 
very um, interesting picture of everybody sitting on a laptop. Um, <laughs> it's more pleasing when you have an instrument in your hand. Yeah. Um, but it is cool to hear some of the sounds. And it seems like, you know, some of the things you guys have been posting has, to take it back to the genre and the sound real quick, has some of the like vacationer sort of influence, maybe some more islandy sort of sound. Um, I noticed some, I think, yeah. some drum machines and whatnot. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Some electronic drums for this, like, <clears throat> electric, the future EP, you know, that kind of. Um, We've been experimenting. You know, we did a lot of listening. You had Vacationer, for sure. We, we played with them at Timeland last summer, and it was really, really cool stuff. So we've been really into that. Um, some Tame Impala kind of vibe. Um, like, just... Because, like, you know, since we haven't really explored this avenue, you kind of want to listen to, like, some of that kind of music and... and, and get some like influences drawn from that to to think of like things in a different way because you know i'm so guitar driven but like sometimes when you have a synth in front of you instead of a guitar you're, you're going to approach it way differently because uh, just the sounds are endless that you create and that's where most of the time is spent is just like making these tones and just like so like it's, it's kind of hard being creative that way sometimes because like so if you're ready to go with an idea live, you're just like, oh, here it is. But then, like, when you're working on the computer, it's like, in one hour, I will have this ready for you to maybe make a sound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's really fun. And But at the same time, we're still writing in other ways, too. Like, for the, the present EP, like, we'll, we'll, like, specifically go... Usually when we do the electronic stuff, we're at Dave's apartment, and then when we do the like the present stuff, we go across the street to um, our band apartment uh, where Don and I are at, and uh, that's where like the live room is set up, and we'll, we'll like hash out ideas in the room instead of in the computer. And then sometimes for like the past stuff, John will whip out the guitar again. He hasn't really played guitar in the band for a really long time he plays keyboards now but you know writing on the acoustic is just a different song writing process you know it's like a sign of a great song when you can strip it down just to you know a vocal and an acoustic part or whatever have this so fleshed out and you have your rules and you kind of know what you're doing for the next set of projects um since you guys are so diy and have learned from like the kickstarter experiences in the past have you thought about uh how you're going to sort of get it out there and what to do once um once it comes time to raise funds yeah well what we're going to do is we're going to you know handle most of the recording ourselves this time um and do um, just straight up digital releases for these trade costs on, um, you know, printing and just go, we stick with the whole pick what you pay model on Bandcamp, but still make the music available for streaming on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, all that stuff. Um, and then once all the projects come out, the idea is with the money that we raised 
from all the digital sales, hopefully like printing our first vinyl would be like the next step after that. Cause I mean, the compact disc is like not a thing for most people anymore, but it's really like everybody has a phone hooked up to their car or like their radio tuner and they're using Spotify or Apple music, whatever, just streaming. And the, the CD player, the last place that it was really living was this bar. And now it's kind of like people want to get back into the vinyl for more collectible reasons. And I mean, I was even purchasing vinyl records before I got my record player. I just like, I liked having the artwork. They would come with a digital download anyway. So there wasn't really a big difference, but we've always wanted to press vinyl, but the cost got pretty high. And so we figured if we go the digital route, for a bit and just strictly, you know, pick what you pay and, or get money for streaming or iTunes downloads, then go from there and take that money and hopefully get some vinyls pressed. Yeah. I've, um, I've sort of looked at Kickstarter as kind of an opportunity to just sort of shift when your revenues are realized. So instead of waiting to actually sell the CD, um, like I think you were kind of advertising for the the Vessels project, you know, you you pitched it as a pre-order, so fans can basically pay the same that they would anyways. They just pay it at a time when you're able to utilize the funds to get the thing out into the world. And it sounds like you've hit a point where um, you don't necessarily need to do it that way. You can actually realize those revenues once the project is ready and then leverage it for vinyl and merch and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Also it's like the most stressful thing you'll ever do in your life. Yeah. Um, you're doing your Kickstarter, especially when you set it up like a pre-order, because like if you don't hit that goal, like all that money, you don't get any of it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it's, it's, a, we're, we're in a recording studio laying down drums for an album that is hopefully going to be happening just through Kickstarter. So it's like, okay, if this doesn't work, then like we're in deep trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's, I mean, like since we've done one before when we were seeing their sleep to raise funds for uh, a bus, um, we, we felt like, you know, like we knew when the perfect times to post about it was and how to promote it. But even when you have that like mapped out, and you feel a little bit more comfortable going into it. That that last couple of weeks, like the like you don't sleep. You're just like worrying about am I posting about it enough? Or are people gonna be hearing about this? Or am I posting too much? I don't wanna be annoying, you know, and so like Kickstarter is, is a great thing, but it's definitely like last resort. <laughs> like yeah, for us right now. For us, because we just wanna focus on the creative process, like the we since we are so DIY, it's hard to set that time aside and, and be more creative focused and, and put all these songs together instead of like you know social media focused or or how how is this going to be recorded? How are you doing that? You know, and so like sometimes it's harder to take a step back. I mean, you're you're involved in it. You're like, is anything I'm recording even good? You know, like there's a lot of worries that come with just the creative process and to add all those business aspects to it, it gets, it's pretty wild. So we, we've been taking a step back from playing out and, and stuff. And we've been really just focusing on just making content. Perfect. Um, 
And just because sort of the avenues and technology available to artists like changes so rapidly now, uh, do you think that folks who are trying to get to where you guys have have come uh, might even want to look past Kickstarter these days and just build a following where they can, you know, sell um, digital like you're doing, uh, get enough people to buy into that and just bypass the whole crowdfunding nerve-wracking process altogether? Well, honestly, it's, it, it comes down to even before that is just doing the footwork in the town that you're at and creating that support system to, to know that you're going to have that support when the time comes. So, like, go out and fly or go out and play open mics. You know, like, it's pretty degrading sometimes. I mean, uh, we've, had, we've been spit on and circled with middle fingers when we're trying to, like, hustle flyers after, like, a bigger show than we were at the time in Albany. And then we learned, hey, if you bring a dog and your dog is wearing your band's shirt, then people aren't as mean to you. You know, so, like, if there's still like a really, really important thing about like just doing the basics of going out in the streets and, and, and getting your name heard and supporting your local scene and, and, and nurturing it. And don't be like that judgmental man. That's like talking smack about everybody. Like, you know, go out and show your support to other bands and, and be, be a member of the community because then, you know, people like start to care about you more and, you know, and they'll want to like support you in different ways. And then they'll talk about it to their friends and then you'll slowly just expand out and maybe hit the next town over. That's how you start to build that internet presence because without all that, then there's still just, you know, the internet is not listening to a word you're saying. Yeah. Very true. Funny how, uh, some of it doesn't, doesn't ever change and probably never will. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we all have day jobs, by the way. This is, this is the reality of our lives. Absolutely. <laughs> and I, I heard a little bit about what you guys were up to in, um, I think, a niche cast interview from uh, 2013 or something like that. Um, and oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I was, I was kind of wondering if it was still the same setup these days or if anything has changed um, with the new album. And I, I'm still coaching kids. Uh-huh. Um, John is um, a TA at a middle school. Nice. Um, Dave is doing sound. Yep. Well, I'm working at a, new, uh, at a new venue in town, actually. Uh, it's, it's, uh, we only had one show. We're, it's still, we're still in the process of like putting together. Uh, called the Upper Room in Albany. But, uh, hmm. uh, you know, come on. We had, we had the Dreamers and the, the Young Wilds. Uh, nice. come to the other day. Um, I do it for the drugs. Nah, 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 nah. I can't remember the song, but yeah, <laughs> I don't know, whatever. But um, so yeah, I'm working there for the staff to get an interview. Kind of back. So okay. look for that spot. <laughs> yeah, Kyle is uh, still doing cool stuff. Um, believe it or not, <laughs> and he's been working with like the the bike pole, which is around uh, here for like New York State. Um. And nice. Tim is an enigma. Tim <laughs> is like, like, like how I met your mother. I like 
what Barney does on the show. That's like <laughs> <laughs> that's how we that's how we like. <laughs> that's good, right, Daniel? That's not hard. Yeah. <laughs> he, he he does finance stuff. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Celeryoung.com, definitely go check that out. Uh, we try to keep a blog going in the feed and um, all our music and everything that we're up to is there, all social media stuff. You know, been working on that, as you said earlier with Instagram, uh, the hashtag writing SY, and it's uh, Stellar underscore Young, because Stellar Young is taken. <laughs> <laughs> we have a show June 29th, in Troy, New York, it's free. Uh, called this concert series "Rocking on the River." We're going to be playing with the So So Blows. Um, so that's going to be a really fun show. Oh yeah, and we also are going to be having a live um, in studio recorded album uh, called "The Woodstock Sessions." It's this uh, series that they did down at Applehead Studios and are still continuing to do. Uh, Teen Sweet did one. Um, Rich Robinson did another one, and uh, we're, we got we we're lucky enough to do our own. So it's like a small uh, crowd of people, of like about a hundred people, were in studio space with us as we recorded and put on a live show at the same time. So we're, we should be getting the mixes back from that. Any day. Uh, we also got a bunch of video for that coming out too. That's got like eight videos he's been working on involves like some interview stuff so keep an eye out for that that that'll probably be the most the, the next thing that we release before we set out the other music to see the music that was played on this episode and for a few extra minutes check out the rhymebook.net thanks to everyone who's tuned in make sure to follow us on itunes soundcloud stitcher and audio mac